1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Welcome in. 106.7 The Fan. Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer going to take you up until 3.30 today. Nationals baseball to follow here on 106.7 The Fan. We got plenty of football on the airwaves today as well. If You're listening over on the Team 980. Coverage for Maryland and Towson begins at 2.30 over on the Team 980. The Nationals game here on 1067. The fan following me. And then following that's baseball. You got the Hokies taking on Old Dominion. As a Hokies fan, if they lose to Old Dominion again. <laughs> I, I got I got UVA on the TV to help me, hopefully make me feel better because hopefully they're gonna get spanked by Tennessee. So I got that on. I'm gonna check out TCU in Colorado. I got Iowa over here on my iPad. So we got all the college football on. We got plenty of stuff to talk about with that. A thing that I just saw coming across old Twitter timeline here not that long ago from Jesse Doherty, that I think is interesting and we'll probably get into it towards the end of the show. But Johnny Depluglia, the Nationals' longtime director of international scouting, he has resigned and did not specify why he was one of Rizzo's most trusted executives alongside him for more than a decade. He was instrumental in signing Juan Soto. And Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post is who reported this. Starting to get a little anxious, a little antsy about the fact that we're still waiting on a Mike Rizzo extension. Uh, That's a little bit worrying to me. We'll get into that towards the end of the show and talk about the Nationals game last night. They'll look to bounce back tonight against the Marlins following the show here, but plenty of college football on the slate today. The game that I'm most excited for is going to come up this evening. You got the battle of the Carolinas and North Carolina against South Carolina at the, uh, at the Panther stadium in Charlotte. Excited to see what Drake Mays got going this year. You got Penn state and West Virginia out in happy Valley. I mean, I'm not much of a Penn State fan, but if there were one thing that I want to experience as a college football fan, I want to go to a whiteout at Penn State so bad. I love that stuff. Chris is alongside me today. Chris, you much of a college football guy?
2: Not huge. Definitely much more NFL for me.
0: That's understandable. And I'm much more of an NFL fan as well, but when football's back... And I love the fact too that they're taking advantage of the fact that there's no NFL football on tomorrow and we get a Sunday night matchup between Florida State and LSU. I love that. You gonna be checking that out?
2: Uh eh, probably not. When I get into college football is towards the end of the season okay. where where the top teams are kind of established, you know who's actually playing to get into the playoffs. Like that's when I find college really exciting. The first few weeks are kinda I don't know. I, I kinda led the the games decide and see who's, uh, who's who I really want to watch later in the season. I get you. you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: That's understandable. Yeah, I mean, I just love football. So getting this back on TV so we get to watch all these various games, even though 90% of the games are probably going to be a blowout. <laughs> like, I'm still excited to watch some college football today. So we'll keep you updated on some scores. Again, if you're a Hokies fan, that'll be on the airwaves here at 106.7, the fan following Nationals baseball today. If you're a Terps fan, that's going to be over on the Team 980. Coverage begins at 2.30, kickoff at 3.30. And I want to start by talking about college football, college athletics, because we're seeing a huge change, a huge change. And we're already seeing moves being made. We saw it previously, and now we've seen it with the ACC, and they're adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. The Big Ten is adding USC, UCLA, Oregon and Washington. The SEC is adding Texas and Oklahoma. And it's just a huge difference in college sports. If you want to talk about it, 800-636-1067. Again, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. But it's just such a different time for college sports. And one thing that, if anything, this has shown is college football, college sports, as much as they pretended before to be about tradition and pageantry and integrity and love of the game, it's always been about money. It's what it's about. The fact that the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Atlantic Coast Conference, which would mean what? The East Coast is adding California and Stanford. How can you call yourself the ACC and add Stanford and Cal?
2: Well, how many teams are in the Big Ten?
0: (laughs) Well, that's also valid. That's very valid. But these sort of things, the point of regionality in college sports was to eliminate long... Ridiculous, arduous travel, right? I mean, that's ultimately the point because we were told for years that supposedly the big part of college sports with the student athlete was the student part. You're telling me now that some random women's college soccer game that California has to travel all the way out here to Charlottesville to play UVA? That's not about the student. You're telling me now that. Florida state needs to travel all the way out to Stanford or Cal. Like that's not about the student Rutgers or Maryland has to travel all the way out to USC or UCLA. That's not about the student. And all of these decisions are made regarding football. And I understand why, like I just told you, it's all about the money and it's obvious where all the money comes from. It comes from football, but You're going to make all these other sports suffer, and it's just all about making a dime. And you've completely lost the focus of what college sports are supposed to be about. It's supposed to be, you know, an enhancement of the college experience for the athletes or, you know, another way for them to get to the professional ranks. But ultimately, it's semi-pro or not even semi-pro, it's supposedly amateur, but it's more so semi-pro. Because that's what we were told, was it was an amateur sport, that's why the players weren't getting paid, that's why all this stuff was going on. And yet now, the conferences, all these places are just blatantly showing you, no, no, it's always been about money, and it will continue to be about money. And if that's going to be the case, then you're completely destroying what college sports were meant to be. Because it was supposed to be about amateurism and allowing people to have this opportunity while getting a free education. I mean not that long ago in my lifetime, I'm not that old. And in in the past decade, we were told, you know, they're getting an education, that should be enough payment. That's what we were told. And there's so many problems with all of this stuff and I don't like where college sports are headed because it seems like to me The NCAA just had no idea what they were doing when they opened the floodgates to NIL. And that's a problem. I think the transfer portal is a problem. And if we get into the NIL stuff, the idea of NIL I think is good, and I think it is encouraged, and I think it should be allowed. You know, I heard Doc Walker was hosting, I think it was either last Saturday or maybe the Saturday before he was talking to Kedrick Golston And they were talking about the Johnny Manziel documentary. And Doc Walker was talking about how he was suspended, Johnny Manziel, for signing autographs and making cash, and the NCAA wasn't for it. That makes no sense to me. As a college athlete, for some players, that's going to be the highest point they ever get to. I mean, we know tons of college athletes, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, that were stars in college and could have made plenty of cash off of their stardom in college, they get to the pros and fizzle out. We've
2: seen that numerous times. I don't I don't think they fizzle out though. It's you got to just remember everyone in the NFL was a star in college. Yeah, no. So it's hard to then be a star again, you know, it's a big hill to climb again.
0: I completely agree, but this is what I'm trying to say. Why should the guy who's a star in college but he's not going to cut it at the next level not be allowed to sign autographs for money in college? Why should he not be allowed to, if if the local car dealership wants to pay him X amount of dollars to hop on a commercial, why should they not be able to do that? I think they should be allowed to. Does that make sense? Like, I think that's...
2: No, I'm all for it. Pay the, pay the kids. I mean, I, I feel that they've been getting ripped off for decades.
0: And so that's my point. That's what NIL is meant for, right? It's pretty plain and simple. You know, you think of Caleb Williams at USC right now. That's who NIL was made for. A guy who's in college... We assume he's going to be a good pro quarterback, but we don't know. But we assume all those things. But right now, we know for sure that he's a very good college quarterback and he's in LA and he can make a lot of cash from various endorsement deals and signing autographs and selling memorabilia, all that stuff. I don't have an issue with that. The problem has become that the NCAA, for whatever reason, didn't have the foresight that any people that understand how sports work any people who understood what was going to happen they didn't have the foresight to put any real stipulations on this and you had a guy in hunter dickinson who played for michigan basketball last year and he basically went into the transfer portal and said who's going to pay me the most money that's not what nil is about that's not what it's for i don't like the idea that you have these collectives made by the universities to get all this cash together from boosters and sponsors and say, all right, you have X amount of cash to pay out to the players. Now it's not technically coming from the university, but it's coming from all these sponsors. That's not what NIL is about. And I don't understand how the NCAA did not have an understanding of what was going to happen when you open the floodgates to NIL. And again, I am totally fine with players getting paid. Matter of fact, I think they should have been paid long before they were, and I think it's ridiculous that you're looking at things like, you know, down the road, when you watch that Johnny Manziel documentary, and this guy's getting suspended, not super long, only got suspended a half a football, but got suspended because he was signing autographs for money. That's not that big of a deal for you to act like it's a huge problem, and yet now you have people just blatantly saying, who's going to pay me the most money? I'll go to your college. That is not what NIL is for. And that's a huge problem. You want to talk about it. There's plenty of problems with college sports right now. But I'm thankful that college football's back on. But you want to talk about some of the changes we're seeing in college football, college basketball, and college sports in general. Feel free to hop in. 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. We'll continue talking about college sports and all the changes coming up next. You're on The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call
1: silenced.
3: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: 6-7 The Fan, Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you up until Nationals Baseball here on The Fan, up until 3.30. Dion Sanders, his boys, the Buffs, touchdown on their opening drive. Up 7 nothing on TCU, you like to see it. You a Dion fan, Chris?
2: No, no. I don't like anyone associated with the Cowboys.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that answer. I do like that answer. Yeah, I don't mind Dion, but we'll we'll have to see how he does now with the big boys.
2: I absolutely hated when he was on, on the Commanders or whatever at the time. Yeah. The I, it drove me nuts again. that they would even sign him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a bygone era now. We don't even have to discuss who was the owner at the time and all that craziness. So I saw this thing on Twitter... I want to continue talking about college sports. Thought it was funny. New member of the ACC. There was a sign at college game day today that said SMU did NIL before it was cool. (laughs) That's fantastic. And it's so true. But let's talk about some of this NIL stuff. So I know a lot of people are in favor of it. There are still people that don't like the idea that college players are getting paid. and. I, I guess I sort of understand where you're coming from because you want to go back to some of the tradition and you want it to be about all these things. That's just never going to happen, in my opinion. And you maybe think, you know, it's going to create an uneven playing field. And right now, it kind of is. You're right about that. Because like I said, you know, in college basketball, you had a guy like Hunter Dickinson go in the transfer portal and he basically said, pay me the money and wherever is going to pony up the most cash, I'll go there. That's not what it's meant for but that's kind of what it's turned out to be.
2: I mean, is that worse though than like Kentucky just doing these one and done seasons every year in basketball anyway? I mean, is that any worse?
0: I I think it is because at least when you do one and duns, I can take some of the top prospects in all of high school, but there's still an uncertain there's uncertainty with that, right? You have to do the recruiting. Calipari has to make sure he understands who's going to, you know, who's good. And then he needs to make sure that they're going to fit and all the various things. Like, I would rather a team go all in on the one and done's. And if they, you know, end up paying them a bunch of NIL for it, I can live with that. I don't like the idea that you can have an established college star. I don't know if you want to throw Hunter Dickinson in there, but he's a very good college basketball player. You know what he is at the college level. He goes into the transfer portal, and everyone's just like, here's the cash. Come on over here. And he ends up going to Kansas. Like, that's. I don't really like that because there's an uncertainty level, right? We've seen plenty of top-rated freshmen, especially in college basketball, which we're speaking of here. We've seen plenty of top-rated freshmen enter college and then not turn into the stud that you maybe thought they would be. I think of you know Duke this past year. They had a bunch of guys that were like that. Derek Lively is the number one prospect, and really all he was is a shot blocker. You had Whitehead, and he ended up being a bench piece. He had some injuries throughout the year, but he wasn't – a stud, like, you know, if you get a guy like a Zion Williamson or something like that, then maybe it's a little bit different, but there's still uncertainty. What's Zion
2: done anyway?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you get my point. Like, I don't mind it as they chose the college and then they end up getting rewarded for it. It's only a one-year thing. I get all of your points, but I just don't like the idea that guys can go in the transfer portal and be like, hey, who's going to pony up the cash? You know, this could be something where... You know, maybe a quarterback looks good. I mean, we're seeing it with Sam Hartman, right? He left Wake Forest for Notre Dame. Not saying necessarily he went because of NIL. Obviously, you get better competition. uh, You get more recognition, maybe a better draft stock because of it. But what if some quarterback for some small school decides to hit the transfer portal and Alabama decides they're going to pony up the most cash of NIL and he goes to Alabama or Georgia or something because of that? That's what I don't like. I like it when kids have to make decisions and maybe it's a little bit rough saying, hey, this 18-year-old kid made the decision. He needs to stick by it. But I would much rather it be that so-and-so chose Utah. So-and-so chose Utah State or Wazoo or something like that and they had to stick there than I would someone choose Washington, realize it was a mistake, and then end up at Alabama or something like that. That's kind of where I I almost feel like the transfer portal is more of an issue than NIL. Because I feel like at some point, NIL is going to even out. And here's my best example of that. Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. This is a guy that I went back and looked. They projected he was making about 800 k and he got a couple of cars from a local car dealership. He doesn't have to give any of this back. And what happens that year? He loses the job midway through the year to Caleb Williams. I think those sort of examples will happen more because we've seen these sort of things before where this guy that we all thought was going to be a star because he had one good year in college, he gets all this recognition, and then he fizzles out the next year. There's someone better. Are you really, if you're a business in Oklahoma, going to be excited to put a bunch of money into a quarterback and then all of a sudden he's no longer the starter? So what's going to happen is, in my opinion, is eventually it's going to fizzle out a little bit where they're not going to be like, yeah, let's pony up all this cash all the time. It's going to be, are we 100% sure this guy's the guy? Like, the Zion Williamson at Duke, they're definitely going to pay him. Are they going to pay the guy that's the, you know, number 85 in the top 100 for ESPN? Are they going to pay him as much as they may pay right now? Maybe not, because they don't know if he's going to be the star. So I think it might even out a little bit with NIL.
2: I think a big difference, though, you're talking about, you know, the basketball versus football. One player on a basketball team can impact that team's record so much more than just one player. Even a quarterback in college can, you know.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's totally different sports. But I think the idea here is, you know, if someone comes in and they're paying this dude all this cash, and then all of a sudden he's sitting on the bench, a la Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, and Caleb Williams takes over the job, I'm not going to be real happy about the fact that I just gave this guy two cars for him to ride around in while he's not even suiting up on Saturdays. You know, that's,
2: I mean, I feel like that's the story of Johnny Manziel <laughs> like that kind of thing,
0: but I mean, th- those are the sort of things that I'm interested in because I think over time and it's not something that's going to happen in the near future. That's probably something that happens over the course of 10, 15 years. Assuming we kind of stay in this same sort of landscape here with college sports. But I think that'll even out. But I don't like the idea that the transfer portal, that there's no repercussions for just jumping college to college every year. I understand the idea that you need to empower the students and the athletes to be able to make some decisions, and maybe there's a rule that you could put in place. You know, the old rule was you had to sit out a year. I didn't hate that rule because it made it so that that initial decision was more important. You know, if you want to go somewhere you're gonna have to at least stick it out or if you go somewhere else, you have to wait.
2: But see, I think you get into that same issue you had back with, uh, who's the old, uh, the Ohio State running back, uh, Claret or whatever, where he was suspended for the year and he wasn't allowed in the NFL yet either due to his age. And so you get in this weird situation where it's like, well now essentially the NCAA is effectively banned him from playing football anywhere. Which, like, they shouldn't have that ability either, you know? Like, if somebody wants to play him somewhere else, I feel like, you know, he should be allowed to play. Yeah,
0: it, it's there's definitely some, you know, bad pros and cons. There's definitely some things that you have to weigh here. But I don't like the idea that you can just hop school to school. And maybe it's something, if you want to do it, you get one free transfer, you know? And you can do, like, the transfer portal now where I can suit up for... You know, I'm a Virginia Tech fan. I can suit up for Virginia Tech. I play really well, and next year I can transfer to Georgia or Florida State or something like that. And there's no repercussions. Maybe that's something like that you could consider. And then if they want to make a second transfer, then maybe then they have to wait a year, but they don't lose a year of eligibility. Like there's ways or make them
2: transfer out of conference. Like you cannot stay in the SEC. You have to go like so that way you're not just going to your rivals. Yeah, you know
0: it's. It's just weird because you look at this Kansas State team this year. You mentioned you like college basketball. The Kansas State team this year that was a lot of fun, Marquise Noel and those guys, they talked about how a majority of their roster was made was through the transfer portal. And to me, that's fine, I guess. But that's not what college athletics are supposed to be about. Just hopping around and essentially trading yourself around and the problem I have maybe more so with the transfer portal than anything is the tampering that goes on. I guess you can't monitor what's going on with the students, you know because if your buddies in high school and say one guy turns out to be a stud, let's just take Sam Howell and Diami Brown in North Carolina. maybe they were buddies in high school or they'd played together at some football camps or something of the sort, and maybe Sam Howell had transferred somewhere or would he be able to talk to De'Ami Brown off the record, so to speak, and tell him to come play with him there? I, I think you could, but I don't like the idea that schools are like, Hey man, hop in the transfer portal and we got you covered. I don't like that. I mean, we saw this last year, Caleb Williams goes to USC again, no repercussions for leaving Oklahoma, going with his head coach, Lincoln Riley out to USC, which is fine. And then, you end up with Jordan Addison leaving Pittsburgh to go to USC. Again, no repercussions. Like that stuff to me just doesn't seem right. The
2: the ones that always get me is like when you saw like Pete Carroll leave USC to go to like the Seahawks and he left the team with all these violations and stuff, yeah. you know, like the school or whatever, and like they're gonna deal with that for years and he's off, you know, winning <laughs> Super Bowls with the Seahawks, you know, it's that's the stuff that gets me. I'm like, how is that fair? They, they take a Heisman back from Reggie Bush, and they let this guy win Super Bowls. Oh, it's just
0: Reggie Bush should have his Heisman back.
2: Yeah, I think so, too.
0: The guy should get it back. I mean, this is a time where we're allowing anything. It's the Wild West of college sports right now, and you're going to act all uppity and better than thou and holier than thou about Reggie Bush back in the early 2000s? Come on. Like, that dude was electric. He was so good. And I don't really think, like, it wasn't USC that made Reggie Bush. You know, <laughs> it wasn't USC that did all that. So I think that's a little bit nuts. Let's continue talking about college sports. You want to hop in 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can also tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. We'll get to some of your phone calls next here on The Fan.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
0: Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan, Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you up until 3.30 this afternoon. College football in full swing, Colorado Buffs. Deion Sanders making his debut, up 7 to nothing on CCU. Tennessee up on the Wahoos, 7 to nothing Makes me feel good about that as a Hokies fan because uh, basically all I can cheer for right now is the demise of UVA because <laughs> tech is bad. You can hear them later today on 106.7, the fan following the Nationals game. Eight hundred six three six one oh six seven. You want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor Listener lines as we continue to talk about college sports. At Toby underscore Altizer, you want to tweet me as well. Let's get out to Bernie in Potomac Falls. Bernie, what's going on, man?
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Let me preface this by saying I'm a huge college sports fan. I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland. Bias was my hero growing up. So I love collegiate sports. But they've always been flawed, right? I mean, I heard you saying earlier, when, when did this happen? This happened when collegiate sports started being on TV, right? When it was on radio, when they took sponsorships for 17 to 21-year-olds. I love college sports, but its downfall was inevitable. And, and I'll give you an example. The rest of the world... Nobody cares what the University of Madrid is doing in Spain. They want to know what their pros are doing. Nobody says, hey, what's Eaton doing in in soccer today? They want to know what their pros are doing. And that's why they're catching up with us in basketball, in baseball. The rest of the world is because we have a built-in speed bump because we love college football and basketball so much that delays their players. If I was an American 17-year-old I'd be furious that I couldn't get paid professionally like Luca did, like Tony Parker did, like Giannis did. At 17 years old, they're getting paid professionally, and school is on the back burner. They practice with adults. I don't know. I love collegiate sports, but it's unfair to the athlete, and America has this obsession with 17- to 21-year-olds. Athletically, you should follow the pros. So I know you got a lot of calls. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks.
0: Bernie, I appreciate the phone call, man. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion because – I don't know that I would say the reason that basketball in America is starting to get caught by international teams is the college system. My thing is, if we're going to go on that discussion, I'll, I'll kind of wrap this up briefly. One, I think the game has grown so much around the world that you're just starting to see the natural progression where more and more people are playing it internationally and becoming better and better at it. And so I think that you know, around the world, they're getting better. If you look at the NBA right now, I don't know that you'd say that American talent has gotten worse. Maybe there's not a a true Kobe or, you know, LeBron's kind of phasing out. Maybe they don't have the replacements for those kind of guys. But, I mean, Giannis is ridiculous. Jokic is the greatest passing big man we've ever seen. Luka is so unique in the way he plays. Like, those guys are all incredibly good in their own rights. I, I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that Americans are getting held back. I think it has more to do with the fact that international talent is getting better. Now, I will say one thing I have an issue with if we're going to stick on the basketball train here about why I think that international teams are catching up It's because they play better basketball. I don't know that the issue is the college system. I think the issue is how AAU teams are playing, how teams around... For high schoolers and people getting into the college system or playing basketball where it's more one-on-one, and you look at the way Spain plays or teams like that, France, they play well together. And I don't think when you watch the U.S. teams that have gone to the Olympics the last couple of years that are even playing in this FIBA World Cup right now, they're not as well put together as a team because they don't have to play as a team very much throughout AAU or I don't know that you could say that in college because generally I would say they do a pretty good job with college coaches where they get them to play together as a team. But I don't know. It's just that's an odd spot to be in. But I don't know that there's anything wrong with the fact that college sports are bigger here in America than what they are overseas. There's nothing wrong with us loving watching, you know, I'm watching Colorado and TCU right now. There's nothing wrong with watching that and getting excited about it. And I understand your point where you start taking sponsorships and the schools start profiting and the players weren't getting money at the time, but it's a way that, you know, you're making money for your college and you can essentially just try to continue to make as much money as possible without caring about the student athletes. I get your point there, but I don't like – I don't think it's a good comparison to look at overseas schools versus here and say that it's a problem with the U.S. I think it's a unique opportunity. You know, you talked about these guys being able to play professionally overseas. I mean, no 16-year-old is going to stick in the NBA and be able to play right now. But they get the opportunity now with NIL and college that they can still make some cash. And you have the opportunity now if you're a basketball player, again, this is not necessarily as much a football discussion as it is a basketball, but now you have the opportunity if you're a really good high school basketball player, you don't even have to go to college anymore. You can go play in the G League Ignite. You can go play a year overseas. Matter of fact, I've talked about this in college when I was doing some reports about various things for assignments. That was one of the things I talked about. I think it makes sense if you're a top high school basketball player to consider going and playing overseas a year, or at least consider just going to the G league because you're going to get more money than what you would get, would get in college probably. And you're going to go up against better competition. So there's definitely things you can consider there. I don't know that this goes as much into football because of the idea that you have to play three years in college before you can get to the NFL. So there's not as much one and done and all the things that go into that. And maybe, that's something that maybe they should consider revisiting, but I haven't heard as much discussion about that because although Caleb Williams could probably step in and quarterback a team right now, a la the Arizona Cardinals rolling into FedEx Field Week 1 instead of watching Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon, like, I don't think people have an issue with the fact that you got to go three years in college football because the difference between high school and the NBA in terms of physicality, while it's immense, it's not as different as going from high school football to NFL football.
2: Again, I still think there's a problem with that though, and I think it's almost like you have, because the NCAA is not the minor leagues for the NFL, that you essentially have a collusion situation where you have these two major leagues deciding if someone cannot play football anywhere. So again, if the NCAA decides to suspend someone or or whatever, then this player cannot play anywhere, effectively, and because you're saying he's not able to play in the NFL yet either. So you don't like the idea that... I'm all for the players being able to do what they want. I, that's what I like, man. I, I'm I'm more about them than the institutions. Okay.
0: I, and I get that for basketball. But for football, you'd be fine if a high school player tried to go straight to the pros?
2: If I, I, I find that hard to believe that someone... I mean, you're talking about talent levels equivalent in basketball, of like a LeBron James or a Kobe Bryant. They're very rare. Maybe someone can do that, but I mean... Manziel and you know he's probably the closest we had of something like that the freshman Heisman and then you had uh, Winston would be the other examples and neither of them seem to have done that well and they still stayed in longer so
0: yeah I don't think I could see it with the NFL just from a standpoint that high school football to the NFL is such a jump physically that I don't think it's right to put an 18 year old into that sort of environment I mean it's it's an adjustment just for a freshman going into the SEC
2: I think the issue is becoming that there is no proper minor leagues for the NFL. And so the college has essentially become that. Yeah. and But they're not part of the NFL. So it's like you're dealing with these multiple rule systems for the players that can, you know, shut them out. I mean, if I don't know. I, I just find it weird. You know, they should be able to make their money when they can, I think. so.
0: Let's get out to Kevin in South Riding. Kevin, what's going on?
5: Yeah, hey guys. Hey, I just want to uh, give a shout out to the critics of uh, money in college sports, particularly uh, basketball and football. What people don't think about, and I know people who are like, oh, it's a scene, how much coaches make how much these programs are earning, but what they're not thinking about is how some of that money is used to fund uh less sports at especially at the big schools. Like I read Ohio State's, you know, fifty million in revenue they bring in allows the school to have crew teams and wrestling teams and women's soccer teams and gymnastics teams. Plus a lot of this money helps bring in billions of dollars that helps fund scholarships for low income kids and does a lot of good for, you know, just the general college towns and communities. Well so I get, you know, it's it is obscene. I have cousins overseas who can't believe how much money we put into college sports where college bar- sports are not a big deal in Europe, as my cousins tell me. It's just, people have to think about try and focus on the good it does for other sports and for kids who need scholarships and other programs. So just something for people to think about.
0: Kevin, appreciate the phone call. I don't know why it sounded like his phone was in his pocket. <laughs> But it was a good phone call from Kevin, and that's a good point. I mean, when you think about football and you look at the amount that's brought in and you look at some of the TV deals, I understand that it's like, wow, that is ridiculous. How are these schools making this much cash? But at the same point, they are also using that cash to basically fund every other sport because if you look at the the sports for various schools, there's maybe two that are profitable. And that is football, obviously, and then maybe basketball. But for a majority of other sports, they're not profitable. So you need something to be the cash that allows you to do that. So, you know, if you're an LSU baseball player thinking Dylan Cruz or Paul Skeens, you know, those kind of guys, you better be thankful for LSU football for bringing in cash. While it may not be, you know, you're winning championships every year, you got to be thankful for the football team. And while sometimes you look at the numbers they're getting compared to what you're getting, like, what the heck? but they're funding you. So football does a lot of good. I don't know as much about the scholarships and allowing that, but if that's the case, then yeah. I mean, I don't have an issue with the colleges making a lot of money off of college sports. I had an issue when they would make a lot of money and the athletes were told, you better be happy with your $20,000, 40000 $50,000 education. Like, that's not right. But when you're just, when you're saying... If you have an issue with the colleges making a lot of money from college sports, I mean, supply and demand. So many people on a Saturday want to sit down and watch college football. I don't have an issue with all these colleges getting a lot of money because guess what? I'm excited to watch the vols whip up on the Cavaliers today.
2: It, it's also different in those like college towns, too. You know, I mean, we're DC. We have a hockey team, a baseball team, a basketball team, whatever. But, you know, like you go down to Blacksburg, Virginia, you know, it's Virginia Tech. It's Virginia you Tech. know, like that's what's there. You got their football team. That's the. That is the team in town, you know?
0: I mean, it makes up for so many things for those cities. I mean, think about Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I was texting with my cousin about this the other day. And we were saying, I was telling him how Blacksburg is kind of in the middle of nowhere. I was like, I don't understand why there's not as many colleges close to D.C. Obviously, you got College Park, but like major colleges. Like UVA is still a distance away. Virginia Tech, obviously quite a distance away. Maryland's kind of right there. But for the most part, they're kind of spaced out from D.C., the major ones. But I was talking and uh, he's like, yeah, so many college towns are remote. And the only reason you know about them is because of those college towns. I was like, the only reason I know the state of Alabama is because of Alabama football, right? I mean, that's the reality of it. And so while the the school is going to make a lot of money, obviously, I think you also got to think about the town, like you said, on a Saturday in Tuscaloosa, All these thousands of people are thronging in to watch Alabama football. That's good for local businesses. It's good for all those things. So, I mean, I don't think it's a problem with that. I don't think there's any issue. Now, where this all ends up going with the conferences and thinking about the best interest of the players going forward, that's going to be something we can continue to discuss. And we'll do that next year on The Fan. If you want to hop in, again, 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. More college sports discussion next. Some sweet home Alabama, huh? (laughs) I guess I would know it from this song. Toby Altizer with you up until 3.30 today. 106.7, the fan team, 980. The Odyssey app talking about college sports. We'll wrap up that discussion coming up at 1 o'clock. I want to talk about the Commanders. What are you most confident in? What are you most concerned about? We'll talk about that coming up at 1 o'clock. But let's get out to, I believe this is PJ and Reston, right?
6: Hey, happy Saturday, y'all. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. So, yeah, uh, glad you guys took my call. Perfect timing. I'm right about to walk into the gym, so it's awesome. But, yeah, so basically, you know, the whole thing with, with college sports and athletes, uh, it's really cool that people are finally kind of understanding uh, what the NCA is really all about. Without any hyperbole, the NCA, you know, there there are exceptions, but the NCA in totality is a pretty nefarious uh, institution, uh, very comparable to, you know, big banking and credit card companies that are, uh, you know, they don't have to be charities, but the the way that they take advantage of, like, you know, middle and the average working person is too much. Uh, The NCA for years would profit so much off of these student athletes. And um, I'm so happy to see that these guys are actually finally getting paid. It should have happened a long time ago. Uh, to just kind of let you know, to encapsulate the way the NCAA is, if people like look with honest eyes, um, Ohio State knew about a sexual abuse. Uh, Jim Jordan, who's like a politician, was a coach there, covered it up the whole time. Look at Michigan State, Larry Nasser, the sexual abuse there. Uh, look at Penn State. Uh, what happened with Sandusky and all those guys, not to mention going back to Ohio State with Urban Meyer, um, all these coaches that were abusive and everything, but because they were football coaches that won, they were given, like, these long reigns until they only got fired when it became uh, way, way, way too inconvenient for them to then keep it on and the NCAA spin doctors and try to take this moral high ground. Uh, people need to kind of open up their eyes. And on a separate note, um, you know, if you're going to be a doctor engineer, by all means go to a university, but these N C A people, like... They are charging people $20,000, dollars a year to go to, 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 uh, to, to university. These kids are coming out with lifelong debt not even in the most part getting better paying jobs than, you know, a lot of people that actually don't go to universities, but take, you know, get like a six month certificate, this and that. So if enough parents kind of open their eyes and if they're, you know, like send your kids off to if going to be an engineer in certain kind of professions, but for like 80% of other professions, if these parents like don't fall victim and just hand over this money to these NCA institutions, a lot of this nefariousness goes away because then they would have to adjust and pay hey, it PJ, real I fast. I
0: appreciate the phone call. We're up against it here. Thank you, my bad. Yeah, I mean, that's some interesting stuff there. I don't know if I'm going to get into uh, how much college cost. I don't feel like getting into anything political <laughs> or anything like that. That is not my expertise. If you know me at all, I try to stay as far away from all of that stuff as possible. So we'll avoid that. But next, I want to talk about the commanders. What are some things you're most confident in? What are the things you're most concerned about? I want to talk about that next. You want to hop in 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. We'll talk about that next here on The Fan.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.